0: It is easy for worship leaders to feel alone. There is tremendous pressure on us each week to perform, to lead, and to help direct an amazing experience of worship and connection to God. But it's so overwhelming. There's no place to go to talk through these unique challenges worship leaders face. Welcome to the table. Hey everybody! Welcome to the next episode of the Table. Uh, this is our monthly mentor chat. This is one of my favorite episodes. We just get together with a bunch of worship leaders and chat about life and ministry. Um, if you're joining us, uh, this is uh, we do this at the end of each month and um, just to kind of talk about our month's topic. And this month we're talking about we're talking about worship. We're talking about what it means. But before we get into that, I want to introduce everybody. Uh, everybody introduce themselves. So I should say, Michael, why don't you kick us off?
1: Hey everybody, my name is Michael Bond. I am based in the Pacific Northwest region of the U.S., a state called Oregon. I've been up here now a couple of decades. I'm based at a, a network of churches called River Valley Church. Uh, I love getting to lead here and be a part of the worship ministry and coach others. also love being a uh, part of gatherings like this where we get to just fellowship with one another and uh, do all we can to encourage worship leaders to succeed and to be encouraged. So
2: let's have a go of it today, right on. Yeah. Love it. How about you, Grant? Hello, everybody. My name's Grant Norsworthy. I'm speaking to you on this podcast from my home in New Zealand. Although I did live in the United States for 17 years, originally an Australian. And I and yeah, I said my name's Grant, but some of the world says Grant. And I'm okay <laughs> with that. Just let it be yeah. natural for you. I Grant. I head up a thing called More Than Music Mentor, which is providing online and on-site training for the heart and the art of worshipping musicians.
0: What was, what is
2: the, it's the heart and the art? Is that? That's it. Just let it be natural for you, Jason. Just let it it's my like natural. That. Let it yeah. be natural. I love it. Some, <laughs> you say tomato, I say tomato. No one says potato. No, no one. Everyone says potato. No one says potato. 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 No. No word. one says potato. I don't know. Anyway. How about you? How about you, Jason?
3: My name is Jason Harris. I am located in Rochester, New York, so the Northeast. Um, I'm uh-huh. a pastor of worship and the production team up in here and been here uh, for well over a decade. And uh, my heart is for raising up young leaders. Also, i um, the associate director of the Worship Leader Institute, uh, which is all about the same, uh, raising up and equipping worship leaders around the nation and beyond. So oh, good. And Mr. Joe Hornis.
4: Yep. Yeah, Joe Hornis. I was the worship director at Willow Creek community church for too many decades and mm-hmm. uh loved being a part of that incre- incredible, team. And, um, and now I run a thing called the Joe Hornis worship collective. And my name is only in it so people can find it, uh, find me, but, um, but yeah, the heart of that is just doing coaching and mentoring uh, for worship leaders and worship ministries that want to be more effective at bringing God the offering we bring each week, and so I'm um, just doing coaching and mentoring through the Worship Collective now. So good,
0: I love it. I love it. You guys, I, I love these conversations, and I love what each each of us brings into this into this uh, into this conversation. Today we're talking about a worship, and I know it's like. We've been talking, it's called The Table, we talk of worship leaders, but today we're actually talking about what is worship, and um, I want to start off with uh, just a simple question, maybe a big question, but uh, what is your definition of the word worship? Um, how would you define, like what would you, how would you define it? We all say it, worship, 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 Leading worship, worship time at church, what are your worship times, Sunday morning worship, like what is your, like what is your definition of worship? Maybe Michael, you want to k- k- kick us off?
1: Yeah, I. the thing I thought of first is there's a brother named Mike Pilibachi, Uh Some of you probably heard of him. He runs a ministry called Soul Survivor in, in the UK and uh, mentored Matt Redman and Tim Hughes. And um, I followed him for a while now, and he just really blesses my heart. <clears throat> he says this, the heart of worship is and always has been blessing him coming to intimacy with him, giving to him. He is the center of worship. And how dare we ever make us the center of worship? Worship isn't to please me. It's to please Jesus. Worship is for Jesus. It's to Jesus. And it's about Jesus. I have that printed out in my office and I look at it all the time. And it's just you know, probably like a bunch of us. We've pondered worship a long time and read a lot of books and been involved that that for whatever reason just how he phrases that means a lot to me it's very personal and always kind of brings me back to center so i wanted to share that today
0: that's awesome that's awesome who's next on this one what is your definition of worship maybe joe
4: uh, yeah again and i'll just quote somebody else but that said it much better than me but george campbell morrison is an english pastor from the 1800s and uh But everything that he writes is so profound to me. And he says, what is worship? The essential meaning of the word is prostration, bowing down. Worship suggests the attitude that recognizes the throne, that recognizes superiority, that takes the low place of reverence in the presence of that which takes hold on the life and compels it. And uh, it's that attitude of prostration, of bowing down of the heart. Uh, before, before our God, and um, C.S. Lewis said it's kind of simply. He said worship is essentially responding to something that we love, and um, whether you know we love fine food and we go, oh, that was a great meal, or whatever. Yeah. But when we when we see God for who He is and we see His grace for what it is, then we respond out of and our worship just flows from that, not just in songs, but in the way that we live, the way we serve, the way that we love, um, because out of out of love for what he's done and for who he is.
0: Amen. What about you, Jason?
3: Yeah, when I think about it, I'm not gonna quote any from the 1800s wish i could (laughs) though that'd be amazing um
0: you could just say 1700s and we'd yeah you know that's in the 1700s
3: we'd (laughs) no but i think i think a lot about actions and reverence uh and honor and Mm. so and and what we do to show that and there's a response in our worship we're responding you know whether as you said whether it be food or whether it be god uh or anything in between. Truth. Whatever we're worshiping elicits a response, uh, and that response is, in many ways, our, our acts of worship. And so, how we respond, um, it just it, it elicits it. And so, I think whether it be in prostration or whether it be in joy, um, or whether it even be in fear, there's something that, when we have something that's of utmost importance. Uh, That is what we begin to shape our lives around and it elicits every, you know, action that we take in our lives. So good. What about you, Grant?
2: Yeah. Well, um, oh man, I I love what each of these three guys have said here and, and uh, I've, I want to agree with all that, but I think what we're mainly talking about in there is when we, we're hearing the word worship and we're thinking, well, what, what does the word worship mean when it's related to worshiping God? Mm-hmm. Um, and the question I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try and answer is not what is what is the worship of God, but I'm going to just say what is worship? That's the question that I'm hearing. And so being an Australian bass player, it's got to be really <laughs> simple for me. Uh, and, uh, so I actually just look at the English language and think, well, what, what was the original meaning of the word worship? And it was a verb and it was actually said worth ship mm-hmm. 300 years ago in the English language to worship anything, God or a meal or anything is to show its worth.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And, you know, I've paid five bucks for a bottle of water in an airport, but I would never pay five bucks for a bottle of water in a, in a grocery store, you know, like, so we ascribe worth to things. And I want to think of the word worship in a, in a way that reminds me that I'm always constantly showing the worth of stuff. Mm-hmm. Is it God or is it other things? And for me, it's easiest for me to fall for the trap of, of worshipping me, my agenda, mm-hmm. my life, my, and, uh, and uh, so I don't think the question really is related to when are we going to worship God, worship God? When are we not? It's actually really helpful for me to think at this, think of it this way. I am constantly showing the worth of stuff, mm-hmm. things, myself, my family, yeah. uh, the things I consume. I'm actually showing the worth of things when I reject it as well mm-hmm. by doing nothing. It's valueless to me. And it's helped me for me to remember that, an idolater, someone worshiping a false God, they are still worth shipping. It's mm-hmm. just, they're not worth shipping the true God. Mm-hmm. So worth worship is something that I am constantly doing. And every human is constantly doing. We are constantly worth shipping things. God asks us to worship him higher than everything else. Mm-hmm. That's what the first two of the 10 commandments are about. That's what I think. If you take the bird's eye view of the whole Bible, like step, like, Get way above the whole scripture and cast your eye across the whole thing. What is the main theme? And to me, the main theme is: hey, humans, I love you, but you want to worship other stuff. You need to worship me. That's the way life's going to be best for you. If you worship me the way I ask you to, ascribe value to me higher than the things of this earth. Um so that's so, yeah. To worship God is to worship God, but to worship anything is also worshiping. Um, and if you want to hear my my bigger explanation of that, go back to episode fifty three <clears> at <throat> the table. Have a listen to that. But this is when I'm thinking about the worship of God. I think God asked us to worship Him by offering ourselves as a living sacrifice. Yeah. So to worship is to be a living death style to God. That, that's that's how I think about it anyway and I hope that's helpful to people
0: I love it no I love it and I think I mean our uh heart all of us share the same heart here you know being being a worship leader and what that means and what that looks like and um you know for me it's like I love the idea of of putting value you know away from yourself so like and meaning like we get to point people to Jesus because as worship leaders I don't know about you guys, but I get, I get overwhelmed sometimes by the fact that my job and my calling is to point people to Jesus. And that like, it's, it gets a little, I start thinking about it and I have to stop thinking about it because um, it can become, for me, it can become a little daunting to think like God's going, Hey, I, you know, I want you to be somebody who gets up and points people towards me. And um, so for that question, I, um, would love to know why you got, why each of you actually became a worship leader. Why would why was go back to the beginning and go what what uh, what got you on the path towards uh, towards where you are now? Um, I'll start. while you guys are thinking about it? Um, I I was a guy who just played guitar in youth group, and um, my youth pastor was like, "Hey, we need someone to do the, the music for for our youth night," and so I jumped on and I started I started following that path, but I was always co-leading, working with somebody. Uh, I had a mentor friend of mine who came alongside of me. He was a teacher at, at one of my teachers, uh, also a worship leader and uh, worship pastor here in town. And he came alongside of me and uh, we always worked together. And one and one day, the idea of being on stage by myself and leading was terrifying. Um, and one day he called me and said, uh, Hey, I'm sick this morning for chapel. And I need you to do, I need you to do it by yourself. Um, and I started, I was like panicking. So I went up and I led, um, and then uh, he walked in the back of the room, actually, at, partway through chapel. He wasn't actually sick. He just <laughs> needed me to n- he needed to not be on stage with me and he needed to push me to be in that space. And uh, since then, I have just always loved uh, seeing like having a, a, jo- a job and a, and a, a position and being a, and in a, and a, and a place where we get to go, look, guys, God's God's right here. And like, we get to, we get to worship him. We get to sing, we get to sing these songs. We get to do things that prescribe value and worth to God. And it's not, it's, and that's, that that gets me, gets me going in the morning and gets me driving and gets me doing what I, what I love doing. And, um, I always see myself in some way, shape or form being a part of, um, helping people see Jesus. And so what, what, what about you guys? I've got to ask that. How old were you when that happened? When he pulled the rug from under you? Probably 13. <laughs> probably 13 wow. or 14. Right. Yeah, I was probably 13 or 14. Um, um, yeah, yeah, I'd say 14 because it was I where I was at in one year. Yeah, 14 years old. And uh, I'll never forget that moment where I was like, he walked in the room as I'm playing and I was like, what? And then afterwards he was like, ah gotcha you know it was like i didn't uh, you didn't need me to be up there you needed to be up there by yourself to kind of like have the legs to stand on and be not you know not be leaning on somebody else and and so yeah
3: generally i'd say not to do that
0: generally that's a not a good (laughs) not a good scenario but it worked you know it
2: worked in this scenario you know my journey this this is uh, grant or slash grant speaking um (laughs) for me, it was a little bit different. I, I had, I'm a bass guitarist, you know, so I'd always played in bands in church services and uh, supported other people who had the title worship leader. Um, and then that journey brought me to America and I was playing bass in a band called Sonic flood that was known as being a worship band, leading worship. And, and uh, our lead singer, Rick Heil at the time was really good at helping people Uh, yeah just be drawn closer to 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 god and see the value of god through what we were doing from the platform so i was sort of observing that as a bass guitarist but i had by the time i finished with sonic Flood and we're going back to about 2008 i i was already beginning this thinking of no 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 we're supposed to be showing the worth of god in every moment of every day and yes when we've got music we want to show the worth of god through the songs but we also want to show the worth of god through, you know, every every aspect of life. It's not just when I've got an audience and music's involved that I'm showing the worth of God and inviting a congregation to show the worth of God. That should be happening through every element of life. Anyway, I actually got booked to go and, and speak at a college chapel service. It was actually Warner Pacific College in Portland that Michael might be familiar with. And I'm a bass player and I've been booked to go and speak and I'm speaking to the guy who booked me. And, he goes, yep. and you're, you're the guy from Sonic flood, right? And I said, yes, I am. He goes, well, then you're leading worship as well. And I went, <laughs> Oh, okay. <laughs> Sounds um, like you had a similar experience that I did. <laughs> yes. Yeah, <it's> quite similar. <laughs> but right, Cause right. I didn't feel like I could say, oh. well, yes, I'm the guy from Sonic flood, but I can't do that. So I just said, yep. Okay. So I found that I, I dusted off this old guitar I conveniently had a capo reminded myself of those four chords and found that I could play 90% of the church's repertoire at the time. (laughs) Yeah. So, uh, you know, I'd sung a bit, so I just threw it together. So I was really thrown into it. But, but from that very moment, I wasn't thinking I'm a worship leader, quote unquote, I, that term doesn't sit well with me. I like to think that I lead congregations to sing as one of the ways we show the worth of God. It's a lot more words but it helps me a lot to understand my role. And I don't, because I think yeah. it really messes me up. If I get a guitar and a microphone and a, and a crowd, and now I've got to switch on this worship leader role, that doesn't help me personally. I want to see it woven into the fabric of a life surrendered in worship. And uh, and that's, that's helpful. But yeah, I've just gone from there. It turns out now I've got three capos and I know a few more. I know five <laughs> chords now.
0: I have to ask that morning. Did you do, I could sing of your love forever.
2: We did do, like, in, I'm pretty sure in the we secret. did. In the and secret. probably open the eyes of my heart. And open we, we... My heart.
0: I was oh. planning your set. Sorry, I just had to check. I had to, <laughs> I had to check. Oh, that's amazing. I love this. Um, what about you, hmm. Michael, Jason, Joe?
1: I'll say this. I, You know, I, it's funny, Grant, as we've gotten to know each other on this podcast just over the last couple years and stuff you meet someone you don't always think about their past and you don't always think about, you know, you just, you, you, someone is who they are in your life right now. And I, you know, I know your background. I know who you served with, and I just don't always connect it, but I just got to tell you, bro, thank you for your, your work with that, that band with Sonic flood. Cause it, it was so formative for me. And, you know, we talk about worship leader journeys, mm. game changer. It was a game changer at the church. I was at it, the modeling that was done, and I, I know you know this, you've probably been told this 50,000 times, but maybe for those that don't know, I mean, the idea of covering worship songs in a more musically aggressive or relevant way, which now it's everywhere. It was not always that way. It was like you had these publishers that would just put out a very blatantly congregational, not, not bad, but just, it was just different. Music was produced different. And then Sonic Flood comes out and is like, it made like myself and and a bunch of musician friends it's like we could get together we can rock out to mm. jesus songs yep
4: mm.
1: like how how is this even a thing and then and it's funny bro it's so ironic you guys are bringing this up i was going through i, I just had my anniversary and i i wanted to bless my wife so i I was going through, I found one of these services that you, if you send them your old tapes, like whether it's 8mm, video eight millimeter video, whatever, any, any media you have that you want digitized, they'll digitize it. And I found a worship service from 2000. Here's young Michael leading worship at a church. And I'm singing. I just, I'm like, this is crazy. I probably haven't watched this since like decades. And I, I cause I'm trying to figure out what's on these tapes. And, and I just start strumming this kind of droning E next thing out of my mouth, over the mountains and the sea, your river runs with love for me. And, and we just go into this rehearsal and it's just like, anyway, so sorry. No, that wasn't what the question was, but I've never told you. Thank you. And I just want to tell you, thank you. Um, what you and your brothers did um, radically impacted me impacted worship in my local churches. And I know probably there's no way to gauge the impact that came for all of you that are listening that may or may not know song flag, I don't even know how you can measure the impact to modern worship has happened because of that
2: ministry well, so Ma- well michael I, I feel i feel loved and honored but also awkward because i was not with the band when they did that huge the two gold albums i'm not on but uh matters not bro <laughs> i got i got to continue the 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 vibe that was built by mm-hmm. some other people before i joined and um and rick my boss at the time so yeah it was a pretty amazing Pretty amazing. That's an oxymoron. It was an amazing impact <laughs> on music in the church. Amazing. Uh, what Sonic Flood. And I would add to that Delirious out of the UK. Those two bands shifted something. And half the church went, this is incredible. Yep. This is great. There's something more lively. And the other half of the church went, what is going on? I hate this. And uh, it was a really difficult time that we've grown through as a church. And uh, I, hope, I hope we're better off for it. But yeah, oh, Sonic 100%. Flood. They did. They did great work, and I was there for a little while uh, after the heyday. I
0: love it. Anybody, Jason, Joe, you have some thoughts there.
4: Go ahead,
3: Jason. Why did I become a worship leader? Um, I think basically because I loved to worship and and sing mm-hmm. at a young age um so i'm a pastor's kid so i was always in church um but in the era that you are just talking about the sonic flood delirious that era was formative in my life yep. um in just understanding a personal language that i could express to god um, that god was always worth it um but uh to begin to have a language and a musical language um that then could express and then it was all about personally to start i just wanted to be a lead worshiper like i wanted to be as loud or as forward or as you know and i think in leadership a lot of it is as we think about it how do you model and it's not just as worship leaders but how do you model in every aspect of your life that is a a core principle of leadership and so when we think of worship leading how do you live out the acts of worship in your life not just when you're on the platform or when you're singing um but I think beyond that why I think I was a lead worshiper who had a who had a musical aptitude mm. uh, and so because it started at a young age and so from there it was hey you can sing on you can sing on pitch you can play keys you can play guitar you can do this and because of that I don't think there was a necessarily a why it was more of in our Small you know hundred fifty two hundred person charge it was like you have the aptitude and you have the skill and also the passion, so here you are <laughs> and so it wasn't there wasn't a question it was more of yeah, this is what you're doing now um but I do think uh throughout there was different seasons of ministry and maturation, there was another discussion of when I left teaching to become a vocational worship leader um. To going, this is now my job as a pastor. Uh, and I think that was a big step for me and my wife because I was a worship leader, you know, in that role, held that title, you know, but also held a full time job for over a decade, um, well over a decade before it was like, hey, you know what? This is a full time vocational calling. What does it look like for us to venture this way as a family? Um, And trust God that he will provide. And, and that was just a, you know, multiple confirmations of callings along the way. And just trusting that this was a gifting and a calling that God had placed on me and my family.
0: I love it. Joe, what, what got you into leading worship?
4: You know, I grew up in a church background um, a little older than some of these guys. So, you know, the the early influencers for me were Maranatha Music and Love Song Mm -hmm. and some of the guys even before Sonic Flood, but before I knew them. I grew up in a church where drums were of the devil, guitars were of the devil. You know, you couldn't listen to records because they might have backward masking. And and I even had a gentleman <laughs> in our church one time tell me um, that young man, we don't play those chords in this church. <laughs> when I was, I was, you, know, like, you might have one? to
0: define. You might have to define backward masking for some people that don't know what that means.
4: Oh, you, there was this whole theory that you know that that the rock rock groups at the time that if you spun their records backwards on your turntable, you, you know that that it was that there were these demonic messages in the music, which. I heard a guy spin it backwards one time, and it was, of course, wow, wow. And he goes, It says in hell there's gnashing and weeping and a gnashing of teeth. And doesn't that sound just like it? And you go, Yeah, you just spun the record backwards (laughs) on the turntable. (laughs) Anyway, it was. So I came out of that kind of of background, but started to realize this growing hunger in my life to just encounter God versus like if with all your heart you truly seek me, you'll find me, you know, seek ye first the kingdom of God, you know, those kind of things. And, and I, my heart, I was just crying out to God going, I want to meet you. I want to experience you. I want to know you. And, and when I came across Willow Creek and started finding some young artists who said, no, Joe, there is a place for you in the church. There is a place you can use your music and you can use your gifts and it can be for the church and you can help people encounter the living God in in the way that we've been talking about. And I started to realize I could sit at a piano or pick up a guitar badly and uh, and 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 lead people not I had no interest in singing songs. What I wanted was to create moments where people could encounter God. And and that all came, as we've all talked about many times, worship isn't just singing it. You realize, well, those moments come because you walk with Jesus just day after day. And you try to live in, with a heart of submission to him. And then out of that submission, you invite people to join you where, where you are or where you've been. And um, I actually then had, uh, some of you will remember the early uh, janitor who became a singing sensation, Morris Chapman. And, uh, Morris was at Willow Creek and he came up to me and he said, um, I have a word from God for you. And I was like, what, what is that? And he said, a brother in Hawaii told me God was going to give me a word for somebody at Willow and you're the guy. And I was like, okay. And he puts his hand on my head and started to pray and said, God's calling you to be a psalmist. And I said, what's wow. a psalmist? And he said, uh, somebody that leads people in worship. And uh, so you know, so God was gracious Amen. enough to take me out of this really messed up background, and say, "No, you are an artist. I made you an artist. I called you to create moments where people can encounter me, and I'm calling you to lead to, to do that through worship." So I'm just grateful to God that He put those pieces in my life that allowed me uh, to to be on the journey I've been on my whole life. Then,
0: Amen. Now. If you're any guys or anything like me, you did not start off with a fully formed view of worship. You didn't understand. I mean, you probably didn't really fully grasp what you were getting yourself into. Um, meaning, like, what is worship? When I'm 14 years old, leading worship at you know my high school chapel, I wasn't I wasn't fully grasping what it means to be a worship leader. What it means to worship. I was understanding it, but where? Um, how has your view changed? And maybe what has changed your view from when you started leading worship to now like how has how has God helped you develop um the answers to that question um to the question of your what is what what does worship mean like where has that come from i will i'll kind of start off while you guys are thinking um you know for me, it's always been uh about ups- um showing the worth of God and helping people see that and for me it was uh it wasn't really until i had kids that i understood what it meant to uh what 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 god's love actually means and what it actually looks like and until you see a baby that is yours and uh you as a dad you go oh my gosh okay and that's for me in the i mean i my, my oldest is 11 in the last 11 years uh i've i think my view of worship has changed dramatically to understanding that we worship a God so powerful, but yet he loves us no matter what we do. And it wasn't, um, I wasn't, uh, I didn't, I didn't necessarily grow up um, understanding the power and the love that God has for us. Other than he is just like, we go to church. Cause that's what we do. I grew up in a house. We go to church. because That's what we do. Like we go to church. You're, I, I grew up at a Christian school. Like kind of church was always a part of my life. Worship and going to, Sunday morning and Sunday night services. And um, like, that was a part of my life. Um, But until I had kids, I was like, Oh, my gosh, God is so much bigger than my brain can even wrap around. Um, But yet I still get to be uh, in a position to help people see that. And um, it doesn't, uh, I don't take that lightly. So um, what about you guys?
1: Yeah, I'll jump in. I think for me, It's kind of like what I worship by faith and now worship with a little more sight. You know, songs that, I mean, I think when I was young, there was a very, uh, an innocent passion and and an enthusiasm that I think was pure. But some of the things that I would sing about and lead others to sing about, I didn't understand like I do now. So I I used used to think that, James one, when James talks about consider it pure joy, my brothers, when you face trials of various kinds, because it's testing your faith develops perseverance, you know, maturity, completeness. I used to think that was pretty twisted Mm -hmm. until um, God took me through some stuff. And I, I was able sometimes by being forced to, to taste and see that the Lord is good through all kinds of moments. And so now it's hard for me, like, when my wife and I lead goodness of God, thank goodness she sings, she leads and I just back backup for her because I can't, I just cry, you know? Mm-hmm. So a song comes along where it's just like, I just can't. I, and it's so hard for me to even make it through because it's a declaration of not what I've heard of, but it's a declaration of what I've seen and, and understood. Um, even songs like, uh, blessed be your name. The, the Redmond tune back in the day, um, really great tune he gives and takes away it's catchy and what a great lyric and makes sense but man it means something different when you've had a lot taken away and you still choose to trust so i guess Mm -hmm. i'll just leave it at that that i Mm -hmm. think you know when what what you sang by faith becomes what you sing because you've seen it and you really still choose to sing it and you believe it. it it just changes you as a worship leader so I'm a firm believer that, you know, as we trust in the Lord, it deepens us and, and people can tell when, when you lead, they can tell when we believe it and when we don't, and they can tell when we've experienced it and when we haven't, but that's so important because that's, what's real. And, and that's actually part of the considering it joy because you testify. And that's just a part of, as several of you've said, of being that lead worshiper of it's, it's not about you you're just trying to give the people an opportunity to have an encounter to hopefully come to that same conclusion and trust the Lord through all kinds of circumstances and let their faith be even more real than it was before
4: so Amen. I remember as a as a young kid sitting in my church and this was probably God's worship leader you know seed in my heart but I remember watching my grandfather's sisters in our church sing and they were they were like like 90 then and remember watching them sing great is thy faithfulness and i remember the thought hit me as a like a 10 year old or whatever i was going they sing that different than me Hmm. but they had walked with god for nearly a hundred years and seen him be faithful and i was with tommy walker recently and we got laughing about kind of how the church doesn't hire old worship leaders. You know, they you know, if you're not in your 20s with a guitar, you know, you kind of get put out to pasture these days. And we, we said, well, the real reason is, is by the time you've walked with God, as long as we have, we can't get through the songs anymore. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> start to sing them, we just start weeping because because of God's goodness and his grace and his faithfulness and his mercies that are new and the Amen. life that he offers and what he's done. And yeah, I resonate with, with Michael just going in. And those are the moments that the word worship leader or lead worship, uh, lead worshiper matter, because those are the moments when you go, this is God, you guys, this is, and I just want to show you what I've discovered. I want to show you who he is and, And, but yeah, these days, so many times when I'm leading worship, I just go, I can't get through the song anymore. This is too true. It's too real. I've experienced it too much. And I think, you know, that was my early learning for me, was realizing I wasn't enough of a pure musician to love just leading people in songs. I wanted to do something that had meaning. And when I started to realize that worship was really about engaging hearts. It was, it was going, God's not interested in our, just our songs. He, what he wants is a relationship. What he wants is heart. What he wants is to help us to help people see him. And when we can figure out how do we do that and then singing becomes part of that response, yeah. uh, you know, then then the, I just go, there's nothing I would rather do with my life. I will give my life to this and God mm-hmm. can take me home when I can't do it anymore. And, yeah. um, and that's just been uh, the joy of my life. So good.
2: We're we're becoming soppy, Yeah, we're becoming soppy old men then, aren't we? <laughs> <laughs> like, this, this is just an audio podcast that if if this was video, you'd see that <laughs> Michael and Joe are just choking up trying to get the words out. And it's just beautiful to see, guys. And, um, you know, you know you've know, you heard me talking about, look, I don't think of myself as being a worship leader when I've got a guitar and a microphone, but I am, if we're talking about, well, how has my view of worship changed over the years? My sense of the value and the importance of expressing the worth of God through songs as a community has gone way, way up, not down. Something yeah. happens when we gather together and we prayerfully and thoughtfully choose songs and we choose to, to present them together. Even if I'm asking people to listen to a song, it's there's still something that's possible as far as encountering God and connecting with God and showing the worth of God that's only possible through music, I've found. Um, and for me, you know, the the song that chokes me always is, uh, it is well with my soul.
0: Yeah.
2: Verse three, my sin, oh, the bliss of this glorious thought, my sin, not in part, but in whole, is nailed to the cross and I bear it no more. Praise the Lord. You know, I never, I can never get through that verse Mm -hmm. anymore. And, uh, yeah but what what has changed my view of worship we're talking to me What's changed my view of worship is is the same as asking what's changed my view of what it means to be a follower of jesus Mm -hmm. what's changed in my view of being a disciple of the christ what's changed in my view of being a person of the way christian if you want to call it that it's constantly changing but it's it's actually for me been more things like well, Jason talked about having a child. I think I, I grew in my sense of the worth of God when I had my first child. But then when I adopted a child into my family, little Marcus, that mm. layer of, well, God is even more worth it. He adopted me. I, I was distant from God. Um, mm. uh, I don't know, a, a radical healing from porn addiction. That convinced me more of the worth of God. That happened while I was in Sonic Flood, by the way. No one told me that God was also in the tour bus when I was feeling lonely and depressed and had had access to a laptop. You know, um, oh my goodness, what's changed my view of worship? God, yeah, <laughs> God Himself, and it, I my view of worship, what it means to worship God, is not complete. It's not fully formed. Um, no, I'm, I feel like that's that's not for any of us this, this side of eternity. Mm-hmm. Uh It's it's continuing to grow, and it's it's the best, most exciting, most frightening thing of all in human life. Swimming more deeply in the mystery of what it means to be a worshiper of God.
4: And Michael, I know you got to jump in, but I but I'm just Grant. Thank you for sharing that. Um, But um, but I I hope you hear from us, folks, that you know the what what fuels worship and what fuels authenticity and is is walking with god in an authentic deep and it's it's just the more we get to know him and i feel like the older i get i realizing how much i'm just scratching the surface yeah but the more we get to know him the more we sit here blubbering old men filled with <laughs> eyes eyes filled with tears because we are so wrecked by the love and the grace of God. And that that journey never gets old and it never ends. You can do that till the day he takes you home. And the more effectively, the more we know him, the more we're wrecked by who he is, the more our worship has power and our worship can change And Our worship invites people to come to his feet. And it's just that personal relation. If you are a worship leader, the most important thing you can do is just develop and deepen your relationship uh, uh, with God and with Christ day after day after day. So, be- because the more it just wrecks you, the more it fuels
2: the worship you bring. Which, which is the same message if you're a plumber, mm-hmm. the same message if you're a stay at home mom, the same message if you are a student, same message if you're, you're yeah. police mm-hmm. officer, same like it's whatever you are this that's the most it's not a particular weight that's on the person who's known as a worship leader in our christian so you know in our christian culture that's the message for any follower of jesus right what about you jason what are your thoughts on that
3: oh this has been so beautiful um when i think about how my view of worship has changed i think it's become much more about the body of Christ and less about me. And so mm-hmm. I think when I started, I wanted people to experience God, how I experience God. Um, mm-hmm. And it, that was very much the focus. Like I want you to, to experience what I experience. And that is still kind of the heart. Um, but I think in that it's a twofold of, I I need to be desiring and seeking God more and more, but also in moving toward God. We've talked about that, but as a worship leader, at a church, I uh, I've found beauty in moving more and more to my people, to the people that I'm leading, um, or tasked to lead in worship. And I, I've found that as I move intentionally toward them, um, I'm much better able to show them and reveal to them and lead them before the throne of God. And I think there are things that you go through as you lead and as you walk beside people over as times and seasons. Like we talked about, blessed be your name. Like I sang that at one of my volunteers' daughters' funeral. Oh, oh. And, oh God. And they asked <laughs> me. And I've been walking with this volunteer and I knew his daughter who passed away um, mm-hmm. and singing that. And I think of that moment. And it was like, I am singing this for them. Um, Mm -hmm. and I'm singing this for this congregation that has experienced this loss. And that's a beautiful, it's a hard thing, but it's a beautiful thing to say, Hey, we have these songs. We have these lyrics to be able to express something. And even when we can't sing them, we can recognize the truth of the gospel and what they represent. And that's a beautiful thing because they had that song, um, that we have sung many, many times, but all of a sudden the meeting changed. Um, and we felt it more. And I think that's what you experience as you move toward God, but also toward your people that you lead. So good. so good.
0: As we, as we wrap up today, um, I always, uh, first of all, you guys are awesome. This is amazing. I'm over here processing everything and, um, yeah, you guys are amazing. As we wrap up the the conversation, um, I always like to end with a food question. I just do. It's a thing. It's never gonna change. And uh quite a jolt. Quite yeah, a jolt. it is quite a jolt. It's a jolt, it's a jolt over. <laughs> um, but hey, as we re- ring in the new year, um, first off, are you guys do you guys stay up till midnight? And second off, uh, did you what was your first meal of the new year? So I am not a midnighter. I didn't because it was uh I, we 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 did an East Coast New Year's. It was like nine o'clock, mm-hmm. and then uh, we went for us in California, and then went to bed. And my first meal of the New Year was chocolate chip pancakes because that was uh, a good way to start. I thought it was a good way to start off the New Year. But what about you, Michael?
1: So this it was such a different New Year's Day, uh, hitting on Sunday. Mm. So my traditions were—I mean, loved going to church. It was a great morning, but tradition was broken because normally, you know, we have our little things that we do as a family on new year's day watch the rose rose bowl parade and all that stuff and but uh, one thing i did do is i made cinnamon rolls i do that every new year's (laughs) day for the family so this time i made cinnamon rolls while while everyone's asleep we left them on the stove ate one went to church (laughs) kids ate (laughs) them later (laughs) that's amazing we
0: had rehearsals so that's amazing what about you grant you got to new year's day before all of us did but how was your what did you what did you do (laughs)
2: <laughs> yeah, New Zealand being uh, where it is on the in the globe and on the edge of the international date line, I think I was uh celebrating celebrating the 1st of January before you guys and uh, I did make it to midnight. I sang a very bad version of Old Lang Syne, which is go. a version of, of my mother-in-law and uh I don't know the words. Do you? I got the I got the melody. Uh, but I got the melody. I got the melody. I had to pull out my phone for that one. But anyway, uh, I was asleep not long after that. First meal on on the, the morning was my wife's homemade granola.
1: Mm. Nice, bro. Nice.
2: It's good day right there. What about you, Jason?
3: I did not stay up. to. I, that was the beauty of actually living in California for a bunch of years is that you could celebrate East Coast New Year's and then just go to bed. Um, <laughs> and so... We set off little fireworks in our backyard at nine um, (laughs) o'clock and put the kids to bed, celebrated with Grant, who was 12 hours in front of us or whatever. (laughs) And And we woke up and hit our New Year's diet. So we do like a, a crazy like little cleanse diet every January. And so my first meal was steel-cut oats. The second one was a salad. And the third one was like squash. So pray for me. Oh, boo. Boo. <laughs> boo.
4: 2023
3: <laughs> off to a terrible start.
4: Uh, no. Oh. <laughs> what about oh. you, Joe? Yeah, we all gave ourselves permission to go. It's New Year's Day. We'll start our diet tomorrow. <laughs> and, uh, so yeah, Becky's family grew up in the farms in Iowa. And so she has these recipes for these cinnamon rolls and then these these uh eggs wrapped in bacon that, that her folks grew up and her grandparents, you oh, know, man. used to make out on the farm iowa so that's still our holiday meal and you know that we get up early and make curly biscuits and egg wraps and and i need to uh, know more about them. eggs
0: wrapped in bacon what does that mean what is it like a hard-boiled egg wrapped in bacon what is
4: you no know, how are we uh, wrapping you, eggs in bacon it's like a muffin tin and put bacon in the bottom of it and wrap the edges of it with bacon then you crack an egg and put it in there and then you like bake it that and, does not sound uh, terrible it, it, it's unbelievable. You can eat those all day and weigh a hundred pounds or more by the end of the day. Hey, it's all um, good. But anyway, yeah, that was that that was uh, that's kind of our celebration. That was fun to do. That's amazing. And then we started our diet on January two. That's right, January two. <laughs> hey, you,
0: you guys are awesome. Hey, thanks for hanging out today, and uh, again, thanks for jumping into the first mentor chat of season two. Um, and we will see everybody. Uh, We'll see you guys all next week.